Praise the Lord, everyone. Isn't the Lord good? I love it. Uh, I, I want to make a statement that I, I probably don't make enough. I love this country. And you say, but it's not perfect, and you are absolutely right. But it, I've been privileged to be in several different countries around the world, and some of them are absolutely amazing, and then some are absolutely amazing when you leave. And I will tell you that there is no place like this country. I don't believe that it's perfect. I don't believe it's ever been perfect. But there's something about living in a, in a place where you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ without any fear of repercussions. There is something about being able to, to provide for missions work around the world. It's just a great blessing that each and every one of us have. You say, well, I don't know about that blessing, but I, I will promise you this. Whether it's through Arlington Cemetery or through the beaches of Normandy, if you walk through and you see row upon row upon row of white markers, of young people that gave their life for the ideals of this country, it will challenge you. It will provoke you. It will put something in your heart. And it will help you understand that though we're not perfect, we're striving for something greater. And I think that's the key, is striving for something greater. Here as Christians, I know that we are, we are looking for a place that's better than, than this world. We are looking for a place, uh, a, we are citizens of a country, the kingdom of heaven, and that does take priority over all things. I'm going to say that again. Being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven takes priority over all things. And, and a lot of times you need to know why you're fighting. There, there are, starting with, in the church with Christ, which is our chief cornerstone, and then the apostles are, were built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, but there are countless men and women throughout history that have laid down their lives so that we can hold the precious word of God and proclaim it without fear and without favor. And I, I'm excited about that. I, I, I'm not only thanking the Lord and reflecting on those that I, I had a I have an uncle that gave his life in World War II. I have a great-great-grandfather that gave his life fighting against uh, slavery and in the Civil War. Uh, and I know that many of you have similar stories of uh, men and women in your family that have given their life that ultimate sacrifice for freedom. But there are many people that have given their lives for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, there are men and women today in countries around the world that are literally being martyred because they profess Jesus as Lord and Savior. And they are willingly going and proclaiming the word of God 
so that others can be set free from it, uh, from, the, from the bondage of sin. So and I want to talk to you today. We're, we, last week we started uh, Christ our coming King and we, we got somewhere. We were talking we, about the devil. We were beating up on him pretty good and it was a lot of fun and we're going to do that again because if there's anybody I like to beat up on, it's the devil. He's a no good bum. He lies. This is what Jesus said. Let's, I'm going to go back one. Jesus said in John 8, 44, he said that, that he comes, that he is, a, he is a liar and a murderer. And last week we talked about how he is a murderer and, and some of the things that he does. Um, see if I can get this to go. There we go. That uh, he's a murderer. He's a manslayer. He's out to destroy you. That's his very nature and some of his activities that he afflicts God's people and that he, he claims authority over this world and that he dominates and captivates sinners, that, that he entices people to do things and then once he has them, he, he gets them in his grasp and then he torments them. Don't you hate that? He's the ultimate schoolyard bully. But aren't you thankful that the Lord can set you free? Uh, we, we're here today, we're a group of believers understanding that, that Christ has set us free from the bondage of sin and death. And it has no hold over us. I know this is last week, so I'm going to go ahead and get going because I might start preaching this again. Uh, he tempts us to sin. He slanders the saints. He doesn't talk very well about you. He goes to God and lies about you. Do you believe that? He goes, he'll go to you and he'll get you to have a bad thought. He'll get you to do something that's wrong. And then he turns around and condemns you and then he goes right to God. He's like your brother or sister that always, when you did something wrong, first thing they said was, I'm telling mom. That's what he does. He, he loves to accuse. He loves to get you in trouble. He accuses the saints. He ruins human bodies. He, he speaks sometimes through men. He, he opposes prayer. He does not like prayer. He, he, likes to, he likes to go against prayer. Zechariah 3.1 says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The devil is an accuser. He, he doesn't want you to pray. And he, and he likes to hinder your prayers. That's why the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Constantly pray. Constantly seek the Lord. It was Daniel that began to pray and fast. And, and when the angel of the Lord came to him 21 days later, he said, The Lord dispatched me on the very first day of your prayer, but I was held up because I was in a fight because the adversary did not want me to get to you. When you say, well, what does that say about prayer? It tells me a couple of things. One, we don't really understand the power of it. And two, it really works. If it didn't work, why would he try to keep us from praying so much? 
The two things that if you notice that the adversary, and this is, this is free, the two things that the adversary wants to get you to not do at all times is pray and read your Bible. He doesn't want you to do those things. He doesn't care if you walk around and call yourself a Christian. He doesn't care whatever else you do. But he knows that the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous person does a lot of good. It, it prevails. It, it brings down strongholds of the enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. I, I'm a firm believer if myself or many saints of God truly understood how much authority and power Christ has given us in, in the realm of prayer, we would stay on our knees all day long. Prayer works. He's a deceiver. He removes the good seed of the gospel. He seeks to devour souls. That's the, the thing. First Peter 5.8 says, be self-controlled and alert. Be self-controlled. What does that mean? N know what's going on around you. And alert. Don't let your eyes be distracted. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Not to hurt, not to harm but to devour, to destroy, to completely consume. The devil is not your friend. I don't care what lie he is, he is putting in your ear today. I don't care how enticing it looks. I don't care how shiny that object is. You have to understand that the reason why we stand and fight for the kingdom of heaven is one of the principles that we understand is that the devil hates you. The devil hates humanity. The devil does not want to see you prosper. The devil doesn't want to see you succeed. The devil doesn't want to see you do anything good. The devil is tempting you, and I don't know who I'm speaking to. Maybe it's somebody online. Maybe it's me. I don't know. But if the devil is tempting you to with something that's shiny, that was something that's attractive, with something that you think is going to bring you glory and fame and honor, you can mark it down that he is there to deceive you because he hates you and wants to destroy you. Don't fall into his lies that he says, oh, if you do this, you're going to be greater. And that's where I want to get right now. Okay, that was, that was, we talked about the devil being a murderer. Jesus also, the devil is a liar. He's a liar. It's his very nature. Jesus said he is a liar. He's the father of lies. He cannot tell the truth. You know why? Because he believes it. He believes that he can de defeat God. It's a lie. But he believes it. When he, when he rebelled in heaven, and we'll get to there in, in a minute, but when he rebelled, he believed he could overcome. Satan has been a liar from the beginning of creation. Lying is his nature. You say, what is a lie? A lie is a tool designed to hide or persuade from the truth. 
And what is a, one of the best lies? When it's mostly truth. But let me ask you this. Let me, let me pose a question to you. Because this is probably the most scholarly and actually probably the best looking church in the United States. You're intelligent and good looking all at the same time. God has really blessed us. Wow. Let me ask you. Why is the devil lying to you? Why is he saying you need to focus on this world? Why does he say you need to focus your life right here on the temporal? Why does he try to persuade you to continually follow your own carnal desires right here? What truth is he trying to hide from you? What is the devil trying to hide? There's two truths. Truth number one, he's heading for destruction. When God booted him out of heaven, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. God drop kicked him right through the goalpost. Here's number two, we're heading for victory. The devil's going down, we're going up. That's what the devil does not want you to know. That's what he doesn't want you to understand. And I want to talk to you about where the devil started and where he's going to end up. The devil started as an anointed angel. Here's what, here's what Ezekiel 28 says about the adversary. He says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, the ruby, the topaz, the emerald, the chrysolite, the onyx, the jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountains and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. I want you to look at this for a moment. Look at that one line there for a second. On the day you were created. The devil is a created being. The devil had a start. The devil is not eternal like God that's always been and always will be. The devil was a creation. He had a start. He said, you were anointed as a guardian cherub, so I adorned you, ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in all your ways. From the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. Think about that. He was the highest angel of all. Beautiful. God created him with beauty and splendor and majesty and glory. He walked in the very presence of the holy God. We look at him and we know that he is evil and corrupt and vile, but there was a time. There was a time that he was righteous and holy and walked in the very presence 
and the power of God. And he threw it away. Why did he throw it away? Isaiah 14 tells us, How have you fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Why did the adversary fall? Why did, why did he cast away everything that God had created him to be? Because he wanted something more. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be God. He wasn't content with who God made him to be. He chose to be something else. Luke 10, 18, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. When Satan fought against God, he was kicked out. He was no longer the, the prince or the, or the highest cherub. And then scripture tells us, that he became the prince in the power of the air. That's where he is today. Ephesians 2 tells us this. See if it's on there. Ephesians 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the children of disobedience. He is the prince in the power of the air. He is able to, to come, go from earth to, to where God is and he has access to heaven that's why he was able to stand when, when, the, when the angels came before God, that he was able to come before them and, and accuse Job. And, and he's able to come before God today and accuse you before God. He's able to hinder our prayers because he is the prince in the power of the air. He has this ability to do that. He, he likes to do that. He likes to accuse you. He likes to come before God and say, if you, if you didn't have that protection around that person, then they would curse you. If, if the only reason they serve you is because that you have blessed them. Sometimes we wonder why things happen in our lives, and it could be, it could be just life, but it could be that the adversary of your soul has said, hey, if you, if you let me have a little rule in their life, a little control in their life, if I can influence their life, then they'll curse you, and God says, you know what? That's my son, and that's my daughter, and I know that no matter what, they are going to love me and serve me. Job is not the only one that that's happened to. Sometimes when we have things go wrong in our life, it's kind of a uh, strange thing, but could you imagine talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, I thank you for all the confidence you have in me, but would you reverse it really quick? He's the prince in the power of the air, but there's coming a time where 
when the Lord comes back that he is going down again. That's when he's going to be headquartered on earth. If you think it's bad now, if you think things are bad now, when he's the prince and the power of the air, wait until he's headquartered on earth. This is what the scripture says. Well, this is a, just a diagram of where we're at when he's prince and the power of the air. Look at what Revelation chapter 12 says. It says that great dragon was hurled down, not gently laid down, not requested that he leave. Oh, pardon me, check out time from Prince and the Power of the Air is at noon. Uh, he was hurled down to earth. That ancient serpent called the devil and Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accusers of our brothers who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. Here's what's going to happen. We are going to go up. He is going to go down. When the church goes up, then the adversary has to come down. When the church rises, the adversary falls because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. There's going to be a time that when the church is lifted up that the adversary is going to be on this earth. And if you think it's bad now, can you imagine living when the saints of God are nowhere to be found? Bible says that he's in verse 12 it doesn't say it on there but in verse 12 of the chapter he says he's coming down with great wrath because he knows he has a short time when he's no longer the prince in the power of the air he knows his time is limited he knows what's coming up and he's going to be fighting for everything in him he knows my friends if there's no other reason to make sure that your calling and election is sure I believe it's Ezekiel says if you can't contend with the foot soldiers how are you going to deal with the horsemen and, I, and the only reason I say that I've had people tell me well I'll just kind of go through and you know and I'll make it it's like if you can't serve God while it's easy how are you going to serve him when it's hard scripture does say some are going to make it through then but I see them under the altar in heaven they've been beheaded for the cause of Christ I don't know about you but I, I think I'm just going to be ready now and if you're not, you can tell me how it was. From there, from there, he goes to another place, and I love this. He goes into a bottomless pit. Yes. Yes. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1, 2, and 3 tells us this. He said, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. 
He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be let loose for a short time. There's going to be a time when the Lord comes back uh, for his church and then the devil is cast down to this earth but there's going to come a time after that after that tribulation when when God is going to come back not for his church but with his church the bible says that that we're going to be riding white horses woohoo i hope you like riding horses and we're going to be there when that an, when that angel you know what's so amazing it just says an angel it doesn't say that great big strong angel or that super powerful angel it just says and an angel comes down and takes the devil and puts chains on him and picks him up and throws him in the bottomless pit and shuts him up won't that be great there's two things that I really like about that he's bound and he's getting be thrown into that pit you know we're gonna be there we're gonna get to watch that you know what I think I'm gonna do I think I'm going to talk to the angel and say, hey, angel, before you throw him in, remember all the stuff he's done to me and my family? Would you shake him really good and then throw him in? And then he shuts him up. Won't it be great when the devil won't have a voice for the millennium, for a thousand-year reign of Christ on earth? You and I will be helping the Lord, and there will not be an, a devil to, to deceive the nations. Isn't that great? Don't you love that? We're going to be there. You say, where are we going to be? We're going to be there. We're going we're to be kings and priests with, with the Lord. He is going to set up his physical kingdom on earth, and it's going, he's going to rule and reign in righteousness, and you and I get to be there. And we're not going to be in heaven playing harps. I'm so sorry. We're going to be working. And then the Bible says that he's going to be let loose a little, little while after. And this is what blows my mind. After a little bit, after that thousand years, the adversary is let loose. Now keep in mind, Christ is, is ruling. The nations have come to Christ. He has fulfilled his promise that through Israel, all the world would be blessed. And, and you and I have been there, and, and, and he's ruling in righteousness. And after a thousand years, the adversary is let loose. And the Bible says that he is going to trick people again, and people are going to turn against Christ and turn against us. Can you believe it? You know what that tells me? That you don't have to have the devil to be wrong. It's the condition of the heart of man. And then the Bible says that, that after that, and I love, I love this passage in the book of Revelation. He says, I saw the dead, both small and great, rich and poor, stand before God. He didn't say I saw the living and the dead. He said I saw the dead. Because at that point, at that time after that after the nations turn against Christ and turn against us that's when the Lord says enough's enough time ceases to exist 
And I saw the dead, both great and small, rich and poor, stand before God. We've already been judged. We've already been with the Lord. We are, we are part of the first resurrection. This is what the Bible talks about, the second resurrection. Then after, after that, he's going in to the lake of fire. Don't you love that? I love that. Going into the lake of fire. This is what... This is his final resting place. Revelation 20.10 says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now keep in mind, I want you to focus on something. The beast and the false prophet, which are people, have, were thrown into the lake of fire 1,000 years before, and now here's the devil being thrown into the lake of fire, and the scripture says that's where they are. Not where they were, but they are still alive, still in torment for 1,000 years, and the Bible says they will be there through eternity in torment. Now, we don't talk about this because we're so stinking politically correct. But here's the real truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came to save sinners, but there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And we don't want to be part of the lake of fire. I don't want you to be, I don't want your family to be, I don't want our neighbors to be, I don't want anybody that I know of, I don't want the, the murderers on death row to be part of the lake of fire. Even though they have done egregious things, I would rather them turn their heart to Christ. Because that's not a place for anybody. It's a place prepared for the devil and his angels. Not for men and women my friends it, it's important we we used to preach that a lot i mean i, I know in the i think that the 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 thought in the 60s let, was let's scare the devil out of people because we had all those movies like a thief in the night and and a distant thunder and everything else and and we'd all run down to the altar because we were all scared to death because we didn't want to miss the rapture and i think you can overdo that but I think you can underplay it as well. And perhaps, just perhaps, we've talked a little more about the grace of God and the goodness of God, and we haven't reminded people the reason why we're Christians. All right, enough about the devil. You see where he ends up? He started at the top, he ends at the bottom. Can you believe that? What a loser. But look at us. Look at us. Here we go. That's the devil going down. Here we are. We're going up. Bible says we're going up. We started off as lost and without hope. We were lost. We were without hope. Lost without hope. Ephesians 2.12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Do you remember those times? Maybe you are, are one of the blessed ones that received Christ when you were young. I think that's the greatest testimony ever. 
And somebody tells me, man, I just gave my life to the Lord. I don't have a great testimony. I gave my life to the Lord when I was five, and I've always served him. And I think, man, that's the greatest testimony ever. The power of the salvation of Christ that can keep you and sustain you your entire life. But Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus, and he said, before you Gentiles, you didn't know. You, didn't, you, weren't, you were foreigners from the covenants and the promises without hope and without God in the world. I remember those times of being without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by your good intentions, by your intelligence, by your mental acuity. Does it say that? It says, now you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. My friends, it's only through Christ. It's only through Christ. We were lost and without hope, but we found Christ, or rather Christ found us. And we have been saved, we have been pardoned, we have been redeemed, and we have been set aside. And the Bible says that we're no longer lost and without hope, but now we are saved. We are the children of God. 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, now we are the children of God. Not later, not when the Lord comes back, but now, right now, you are a child of the living God. The one that created the heavens and the earth, the one that, that cast the stars into the sky, the one that has created everything that you know, you are a child of God. He said, I don't feel like a child of God. Well, feelings got nothing to do with it. Scripture says you're a child of God. If, you, if the blood of Christ has pardoned you and redeemed you and set you free, you are a child of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that this, that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We're going to be changed. We're going to be transformed. We're going up. We're going to have that eternal body. I love what, what Paul said. He, he, he compared this body that we live in now as a tent. But then he says, when we get there, it's going to be our long home. It's going to be our, our, our brick and mortar house. This is just a tent. Tents are designed for temporary dwelling. Now, I know that some of you guys like to go camping. I do camping over, over at the Ramada Inn. Yeah. <laughs> But I've been in tents, and I have seen tents, and I've seen people camp. And I know that when you go camping and you walk into a tent, you won't see a Picasso or a Van Gogh or fine china inside that tent. And you say, well, why don't you see those? Because they are temporary dwellings. They're only there for a moment. You don't put your good stuff in a little tent. You put your good stuff in your, in your, in your home that is, that is safe and secure. And that's why Jesus said, lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal. I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to have that new body. And, it's all, and that house is already going to be decorated. I love that. We're saved. We're the children of God. 
Then we get to go in the rapture. That's going to be a great time, don't you think? Let me, let me tell you what Paul told the church in Thessalonians, uh, Thessalonica. He, they, were, they were grieving because a lot of their, their, their brothers and sisters had passed away and they were, they were sorrowful. And he says, brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. Ignorant just simply means uninformed. Or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. He doesn't say you're not going to grieve. If you lose somebody in this life, you're going to grieve. But there is, a, there is a spark of hope when that person is a follower of Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive who are left till the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. You say, well, what's the next thing that's going to happen to us? This is it. Right there. The trumpet's going to sound, and we're gone. Say, when could that happen? It could happen today. I know one thing. We're 24 hours closer to it than we were yesterday. Then the next thing, we will spend eternity with Christ. Eternity. That's just a little bit longer than a millennium, isn't it? <laughs> Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful bride dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. When this happens, when the rapture takes place and past the millennium, past the great white throne judgment, when we are living with Christ and God himself is living with us, can you imagine the things we're going to see God create through eternity? Can you imagine the majesty and splendor? Can you imagine... Christ himself, God in flesh, the creator of all, when we have been in eternity and we're doing whatever he has asked us to do, can you imagine that time when Christ comes up to you? Not to the people around you, but to you. It says, let's go for a walk and let's talk. 
like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. Can you imagine holding the hand of the creator of the heavens and the earth? And he wants to hear about you. Sam, would you come? I want to ask you to stand with us if you would. The Bible tells us, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Man, we have a great future, and it's all lined out ahead of us. The devil is a loser. He is going down. His, his days are numbered. Don't allow the adversary to blind you, to trick you, to, to belittle you, to get you to think that, that that attitude or that possession or whatever it is is more important than, than eternity. Because my friends, he's going down we're going up. Always remember where he's going. Always remember, remember where you're going. Great things, great things, great things await us.